that's probably the best bit of advice I'd give to anyone. If I could look back 30 years and say, you know, how you start your career is the most important, valuable lesson we can all learn. And, you know, love them, hate them. Corporates have a massive part to play in that. Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast. Podcasts for surveyors who just love what they do. I'm Marion Ellis, and in today's episode, I catch up with Ian Bullock of Carpenters Surveyors, chatting about all kinds of things from how he got started, how he feels about corporate surveying firms and the differences with smaller firms working for yourself. But we also talk about complaints, claims, and how he is developing his business into creating software specifically for surveyors and the launch of Surventrix. So if you're out and about for the day or on your daily commute, listen in and don't forget to take a look at the show notes when you get a chance. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thank you for having me. We were just having a really good nesser before I pressed record. I could have, should have recorded all of that as well. You know, in, the, uh, in the beginning, haven't we, really? Turns yeah. out we work for the same company, probably around the same time. Honestly. Ian, introduce yourself to people listening who may not know who you are. Yeah, sure. So I'm Ian Buller. I run a, an SME, a residential survey and valuation practice called Carpenter Surveyors. I've been doing the job for 25-ish years, I guess. It will take a bit longer than that, maybe. Started life out of countrywide surveyors, as we were just talking about. Straight out of uni. Quite proud of the fact, it's interesting fact, that I was one of the first, if not the first, to go on to the countrywide surveyors tech RSS trainee program at the time. Oh. So, yeah, so that's where I started, straight out of the uni, straight into Kunchuai. And I have to say, it was one of the best things I could have ever done. Paul Cupbill, brilliant man. I think he's retired now, dare I say. Yeah, that. yeah. Wow, but brilliant guy. But so yeah, he was responsible for heading up at the time, I think, industry leading sort of training program, really. And as I say, there was me and I think 19 others. So there was an intake of about 20. It was like a Kunchuai Surveyors University, effectively. So we went through that. We all came out of that with tech RSES status. And yeah, I was at Countrywide for a number of years, loved it. Great company to work for, very different at the time to what it is now, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, we used to do a lot of skilled lending work and level two surveys, et cetera. Interesting you saying about the, and I, I recall now why we know each other or don't know each other from those days, because I joined Countrywide to get three months valuation experience so I could get, get chartered. And I stayed there 15 years in the end, but I didn't get yeah. onto the tech course that just started. Because yeah. I was so far ahead and there was about eight or nine of us rogue MRICS uh, yeah, MRIC. candidates. And so yeah, we didn't get your training. We were just like hung about in different. It's funny because me and Sonia were based at a country at the same time. She had the same desk. She was working through her MRICS. I was through the tech rigs. And we used to joke. Yeah. I used to get such a good training package with all the equipment. And she'd sit there and said, I'm not getting any of this. No, but, do it the hard way. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, no, so. Brilliant place to grow up, really, I think, in terms of foundations into the job and the industry. Couldn't find any better. I'd do it all over again, quite frankly. Yeah. And I think we talk about the state of graduates and trainees and it has totally evolved since, since our day. It's not an easy thing to go through. It's not an easy thing to find your first job. And I think there's, um, you know, I mean, I work for myself now and whilst I could be critical of corporate firms, I can be critical of SMEs as well. Um. It's almost, and we were just saying before we started with Best Record, it's like a rite of passage to work for different firms. And that's no bad thing. Starting off working for a corporate on a trainee program like that gets you to where you, you need to be. There, there's some really supportive, great people there. 
You've just got to think longer term. You might do it for a few years. What might you do next? It's okay to move around the different firms because they all have. And you're only ever as good as your team and your line manager or regional manager. And those things change sometimes until such time you're ready to then go and work, work by yourself. So yeah, I'd, you know, whilst we can be critical of each other as we are, it's a really great learning ground to get the number of properties and the structured training and support. Yeah. And it's not easy, not easy being a trainee. No, not at all. I think I loved it and I would implore anybody to consider it. I think we can all end up at the same destination and working for ourselves if it's something we all aspire to. But, you know, it is a difficult job. It's a very technical job and I'm still learning now. I learn every day and I push myself to learn every day as we all do. That's just the nature of our industry, but it would have been a very scary world just hitting the ground running on my own then. I can see why people do it. Everybody wants work-life balance and flexibility. I get that. But yeah, I'm one of the sort of um, fans of the sort of corporate mm. trainee programs. And even now, I mean, the likes of SDL, they're doing some fantastic stuff with Sava and the course in training. It's been, yeah. it's what the industry's always needed and it's great to see. But yeah, I think something to work towards. So um, start off in a structured, supportive environment that has the capability and the funding and everything to get you through and then you've always got a big wide world of swaying outside of that when you want to so how did you end up setting up your own business what was your journey like yeah it's an interesting one ironically i never set out to set up my own business i'm one of these that's not driven with long-term aspirations to conquer the surveying world, as it were, or anything like that. But I joined out of university into countrywide. I joined out, I knew I wanted to be a surveyor. That was it. It was a local practice, a local sort of office. And it's brilliant. It was such a good old school environment to, you know, the admin team were sharing a space with the surveying team. So you got to learn all sides of the business, you know, and I enjoyed my time there. And I think back then there was like something like 175, 200 countrywide offices across the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, they really did feel like small local businesses, yeah. isn't they? That's and the then thing, obviously they? technology came in, things yeah. changed. You said you always wanted to be a surveyor. We don't get many of those people like you on the podcast, Ian. A lot of people say, I fell into it. But tell me, when did you yeah. first hear about surveying? I suppose saying I always wanted to survey, that's probably wrong. I mean, I didn't sort of, from the age of five, say, oh, I want to be a surveyor. I was always interested in property. I love history anyway. And I was interested in buildings and property. And I love geography at school. And I remember getting to sort of um, A-level stage, just finishing that and thinking, well, what do I really want to do? I knew I loved something to do with land and geography. And it was a choice in the end, bizarrely, of geology. <laughs> more things or going into land administration and I went down the land admin route and it was just a pathway that all sort of explored all property related so you could go off in whichever way I went through estate management so it's kind of a pathway that I just I thought you know what from very early on I thought I can see the surveying role being something that's quite enjoyable so I suppose it wasn't really until sort of just finishing college and A-levels at that point where I was like right that's what I want to do but at the time, it was quite straightforward. You know, big firms like Countrywide were doing milk rounds, as they called them. They go around all the universities, actively recruiting and offering things like cars and shiny things like that. It's brilliant. But uh, yes, it kind of just found me really in a way, I suppose. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so and I spent quite a lot of time at Countrywide. I loved it. And I wouldn't say I wanted to leave Countrywide. It was just my old office manager at the time. He left practice to set up an, an estate agency survey department. And it was an independent 15 office agency. And... He said, look, we're setting up a survey team. Would you like to come join us and the world's your oyster? I thought, you know what? That sounds like a good opportunity. It felt like a good new challenge, different direction. I felt as though 
hadn't exhausted all my options. I got to sort of a good regional level surveyor and all those things at Countrywide, but I just felt I just wanted a new challenge. So, so I sort of jumped out that into the SME world at that time, not knowing what the SME world was, obviously. It was just, this is something different. It's a small fish in a big pond. And that was what sort of I found interesting because it was all about relationships and people and developing something other than just being looked after all the time. And the beautiful thing about working for a corporate is you're handheld all the way through the process. You don't have to worry about anything. You wake up, you do jobs, you go home. And it's, it is that security blanket that a lot of people look. And I've got colleagues now, you know, that's still there, still at Countryside and fantastic. They've been there for like 40 years. And it's quite a sense of camaraderie in terms of your regional team and being part of something belonging. You can either engage with that or not. And, and it is a, a good thing and a bad thing in many ways that we, when you work for a corporate, you don't see how much you are supported. It's a tough job. You work long hours and all of that. And we can have our gripes, but you don't see how much you're actually supporting mm, until you work for yeah. yourself and have to oh, do absolutely. it. Yeah, no, hence why I've got no hair left and it's all great. But yeah, no, I mean, even things like complaints with mm. the side of where I am now in my role, I deal with all the complaints as we get them. Yes, we get them. We're normal. We're human. Everybody gets them. But you look back to country and think, well, have you ever saw a complaint? Does mean it I did it. I was dealing with <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, you did it. You did them all. But no, and that support system. And I think when you're just starting now, I can't stress how important that is. It is a tough world out there. Our job is not easy. And there's other things that I've sort of explored over the last few years. And one of them is it's a complaints working group. It's something that's just an informal thing that with likes Michael Holden and various other respected individuals, we just got together and we thought, look, this is something to chat through. Yeah. So, so obviously I just sitting on it. It's only an informal thing. It's not anything formally, but there's a group of like-minded people and there's brilliant minds in there, much more intelligent minds than me. We've just got together because there's, I think as an industry and touching on that point about the importance of having a support system and that environment. As an SME and sole practitioner, you just don't have it. It's all on you. So there's lots of people around the country. And one of the things I think isn't out there that is, is something that's really important is dealing with complaints. And it's how you, I mean, we've all learned to deal with the customer service and developing technology and all those kind of wonderful things around running a business. But the reality is mistakes happen. We're all human and we make them. So it's how you deal with them. That's important. I suppose from the sins, there's other areas I've sort of delved into within surveying that have helped me to think, well, it'd be good to help pass that, not knowledge, but sort mm -hmm. of support system across to other people as well. And so that's an interesting one that I'm cur curious to explore more really in a way. Yeah. And you know, that's pushing all of my buttons in terms of how you deal with complaints and claims, because what I see is a complaint comes in and the first thing people say is who's to blame, what went wrong, or they're really defensive. And we totally de dehumanize it all. Very often, my experience with claims is that it's not all down to the surveyor's technical knowledge. And we worry about doing the right CPD and learning all the right things. And yes, you've got to be technically competent to do a job, but it's the support around it. Mm. And if you don't understand your client's worries, what they're anxious about, no matter how small, they become sort of little hooks, little things that just sort of catch you out and then all of a sudden it becomes a catalogue of things that they're not happy with. And the problem with being in a corporate is as a surveyor, you can only control the bit that you do. You've got different departments looking after different parts of the whole customer journey, whereas an SME, you've got more control and oversight of it, but it doesn't mean you're any good at it. And so if people aren't doing CPD, understanding customers, relationships, making sure they understand what is actually in their T and C's and have them written properly by a lawyer, not just copied from someone else. 
taking ownership of your reports and the contents and the way that you want to write it. You've really got to take ownership of it all. And then there's the handling of it. And uh, people can be, you know, the, when you get a complaint or a claim through, it is like a gut punch. It's horrible because you've gone out to do a good job and for whatever reason it hasn't happened. And the handling of it can be really critical, how it's closed down quickly, how you then get, get over it and you don't want things escalating to court. And ultimately they can, as we all know. But when we're looking at it ourselves or within a small business, you do not have perspective. You need to be able to step back or have support or help or be able to talk things through. And I think that's why as a profession, we've become very defensive with lots of caveats in reports. I see it sometimes on the surveyor hub. Someone will inquire about something, client, and, oh, don't touch that client. Don't go near them. Or we become really restricted and make decisions based on fear when actually, you know, a lot of these big companies put money aside for future claims, they budget for it. And that's not about having poor quality people in their team. It's about the reality of knowing the industry and the business that, that you're in. I think the thing I find, found most though, I mean, it taught me when I dealt with claims, it taught me a lot about customer experience and customer journey and all those things. And then the technical side, but it taught me a lot about surveyors themselves as individuals. And that's why I coach and work with people now. And what would happen though, is a claim would come through and I've dealt with them, not just for corporates, for small firms and all different shapes and sizes. There is nothing I've not seen me in, but I would phone someone up and say, looks like we've got a problem. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, the reaction would be something like, I knew that one was going to be a problem or that vendor was a pain in the neck, or that was the day when my tablet broke down, the car broke down, something happened. And what they didn't do is trust their gut instincts to give themselves more time to double check something, to call something out, make it a building survey rather than a level two or whatever. And there's always that element of not trusting your, your gut instinct because you're so focused on doing the job and getting it right and things. And that's a really hard thing that I think only really comes with experience, which is why it's important for those qualifying and coming through that they do that within a safety net. Yeah, totally. That's probably the best bit of advice I'd give to anyone who's about 30 years and say, how you start your career is the most important, valuable lesson we can all learn. And love them, hate them. Corporates have a massive part to play in that. I think it's always good to have a good support, whether you're an SME, whether you're a sole practitioner, or whether you choose to go down corporate sort of style, you need a support system around you. It's a big, lonely old job otherwise. And not just that, I've surrounded myself with good people. That's why we've done well. It's not that I'm amazing or I'm the best. I'm not. It's just the fact that I'm a good judge of people and I know how to place brilliant minds around me. And it's as simple as that, really. But you need that support. Without it, I think things like running a business and complaints, there's so many things. Like I say, I'm still learning now and it's the best part of a year career. And it's like, I look back and think, wow, that went quick, but you never stop learning really. So yeah, but each their own. I mean, I'm sure people will have their own ideas and think, well, that's fine. I can still do it. And fair play. Some people can. But, but just on the complaints and claims side of things, PI is a big problem for all of us. Yeah. And it's not getting any better, really. <laughs> Let's face it. What there isn't, and I understand why there isn't, is transparency over you know, what's going wrong. I'm sure many of us have attended conferences where insurers or whoever have talked and for the last 25 years, I think the main reasons for claims are dampness, structural movement, chimneys and roofs. And I don't think that's 
changed significantly. And yet we're still making the same mistakes as surveyors for the last however many years, really, on the whole. But we never get any feedback. We never get any feedback on what the trends are, what we need to be aware of. And I have a particular gripe or issue, I think, with we have a, the ombudsman, CEDA, those kind of bodies, RICS, who see things all the way through. And really, effectively, it can become a cash cow because if we're paying for people to go through this process, I think it's right it should be free at point of use for consumers, actually, to go through. But who's helping us get better? Because sometimes you look at these complaints and claims and it's it's not just about the one defect that was missed. There's never, ever just one thing. And they are so complex in terms of process, the way that we do things, how you speak to clients, so many different triggers. But we don't have that loopback mechanism to say, well, this is how we all need to improve. These are the lessons learned. Hmm. And we might get, use this paragraph. But that's about it. And therefore, how are we ever really, as a whole, ever going to improve? Well, we're not, quite frankly. It's not in the public advantage, is it? No. Yeah, I could go off all day about things and CDR and processes and things. And I hear you, we're on the same page for most of what you just said. I mean, I think information sharing and feeding back in a constructive way, in a sensitive way. I mean, PI is a big, I get quite passionate about PI because obviously I have to deal with it. Happened for years and I have views on that. But I think in terms of complaints, how the industry is ever going to react. It's a bit like making this, I remember a quote that springs to mind, something like that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, well, we're making all these same complaints, but nobody's sharing that information. But, and I say nobody, I mean, there's lots of different parties that could get together to do it. I'd love, don't, again, let's not open cans of words things, but the RICS would be lovely for them to feedback top 10 complaints this year, top 10 areas for CPD this year. And that can be done in a way that nobody's given any sensitive information. We've often talked about this on this group that we sit in, and it's about trying to share information. We, If you take comparables and valuations, for example, look how good Rightmove is. Surveyors created a data system that is the biggest data holder in the world. That Look how good and accurate valuations are now because of that. Well, why can't you apply the same test to complaint information and have a database of complaints, strip out all confidential sensitive information. Um, what a brilliant resource that is for us to train and to educate, especially new graduates into the profession. It's just, it's a no brainer, but it's never happened. And there doesn't seem anybody out there with an appetite to do it either. Well, I guess it's money to, to, to fund these things. And, but the other thing is as surveyors, we all have very different opinions. We do. That, that there's no one source of the truth. I don't know what the answer is to the joke of how many surveyors does it take to change a light bulb. If someone could message in, that would be great. But we're all different and it is is subjective. It's an opinion at at the end of the day. And also we're looking as surveyors, we look at the technical part, the reporting part, we always exclude the service. And that's what really got me into customer experience was looking at, okay, well, how can we prevent this to happen? What is the risk? What were the little quirks? And it's in the smallest of things, like making sure your client does read the Because it's not just yeah. it's not just complaints and claims that go all the way through and that you pay out on. It's that it's a cost to your business to get any in because you've got to spend the admin time dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. And if your client is not reading your report, that is your fault. 
there is a reason why we need to think about accessibility, how easy we've made it. Did we actually tell the client anywhere to read the report? Did we speak to the client? You know, do we need to make it, you know, here are the key highlights or whatever. And it's all of that customer journey stuff. And that's why I see a lot of surveyors and particularly small firms, they don't spend time on their business, working on it, understanding how it works, kind of service they want to give. But we all really want to give a good quality report which they are, but it'll do nothing for you if you haven't had that service that goes along. What I used to do, which I'd recommend people do actually, is for every complaint or claim or quirk or something that comes up in their business, they have like a risk log, which can just be a simple spreadsheet, but note down what happened, what was the trigger, what could be done to prevent it, and have some sort of red, amber, green traffic lights over what have you changed? Is it possible to change? If it's not, you accept it as a risk that this might happen again. But at least you're understanding what's happening because it's not just people. Sometimes there's tech solutions that can make yeah. a difference as well. But you've got to spend time on that. And some people will think that's not earning money because we talk about fees. Mm -hmm. But you want to look at it as the whole, don't you? Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest trap people fall into. From an SME, or practitioner, for those starting out on their own, it's the biggest trap everyone will fall into early on is that you get so entrapped in working in the business, you never work on it. You never work on identifying where you can improve things and developing that practice and you get stuck in a rut. I mean, that's that's the obvious, I guess, but it is, it, and maybe it's not as easy as people think. We're all, we can be guilty of being brilliant surveyors, but rubbish at business development or well, I, I think so. And I think we totally underestimate it. There's a reason why we have copywriters and people who can design websites, other people are experts in their own right and yet everything can wait yeah exactly and visibility is a key thing as we're recording this we're talking about recession and what might happen to the market and interest rates and all of those things going on and i'm seeing surveyors start to reach out to say where do you get your work from because for the last couple of years in the nicest way we've had it handed on a plate and, we, and a lot of people have just taken what's in front of them those that haven't worked on their brand and understood who their clients are and all of those things um, will come a cropper, frankly. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky... Or at least be very worried right now. And you, it doesn't have yeah. to be. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, I think, about just taking a moment and staying calm and working through it. But it is difficult. I mean, I think the last few years, if we look at that, I feel for anyone that sort of set up and started up in the last couple of years, because it's been a unique pop of things that have come together to create a, an unusual market that we'll never see again, in my mm -hmm. opinion. What all is happening right now is we're returning back to normal. I mean, yeah. most people are panicking, what the hell's going on? Just going back to normal. Interest rates are going to normal levels. Products are going back to where they were. We've just had a very bizarre couple of years of COVID and things that I wouldn't say we'll never see that again, because obviously you never say never, but this is just normality. And what we should all be doing really is just working on our businesses, not just sitting there thinking, well, thank you very much. There's another job and I'll work through that the way it goes. And on to the next one, you've got to be a bit more about you really to want to develop it. Otherwise your best place to be is in a controlled or an SDN or something like that, because it'll all be done. For you mentioned moving when you started up, there was part estate agency in your business and sort of part, part surveying. But how has your business evolved over the years? Do you still do estate agency as part of it? Or? No, so that was kind of, so starting at controlled, the next step was into private practice at SME with the agency side of things. And that wasn't the end really. That was kind of the beginning of Carpenters really. I was there for a while. I reached a point where I thought, well, this kind of wasn't what I was expecting. It's not mine. And I think it was that light bulb moment then when I thought, you know what, I could do this. And it took me, well, 
15 to 20 years to realize actually, yeah, I've got confidence and I've got skills and I can do this. I'm doing it for someone else. I can do it for them. So I just a chance conversation and a chance meeting with Mike Carpenter at the time and uh, just right place, right time. And I met Mike. I have an awful lot that I owe Mike because he's just learned so much from him. And that was how I came back to Carpenters. So it was Mike's business. So I didn't set up Carpenters from scratch. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, look at me, my business. It's amazing. Wasn't wrong. I just took it and made it my own in that sense. It's a business that was established back in 1980s. What what size business was it? It was, it's an interesting one because it, and when obviously I went through, but back in the day, it was a small business that worked up to a couple of surveyors, a couple of surveyors, a couple of admin, but it was linked at that time again. Because I think going back a while, most surveying practices were attached to agencies. So there was a natural yeah. valuation element to everything. And it was one of those. And of course, at the time, business partnerships being what they are, the agency side and surveying side, i.e. Mike being the surveying side, had very different visions and he parted companies set up carpenters and away he went, did lots of different things, very entrepreneurial man, he, he different businesses and different things. But yeah, he just reached a point where he thought, you know what, I want to start planning for my retirement and working. That's where I kind of came into the fold. And at the time then I joined, there was literally me, Mike, and another surveyor that, that was doing commercial work. It was a multidiscipline practice at that point. So back in the days, again, the RCS have done some good things, <laughs> despite what people say about them. And one of those things is pushing people to be absolutely amazing at one thing or a few small things rather than being all things to everybody. So at that point, obviously we went through some structuring changes and things like that, but it was always with a plan to look one day, this will be yours and you take it and develop it how you want. I was there for probably five, six years before I bought the business from Mike. At that time, it was me, the team of admin staff, and it was very much Mike was around as a mentor, but not actively in the business. Uh, and it was just organic. So I thought, right. Focus on what I know, focus on what I'm good at. So the first thing I did was strip out the commercial element because I don't know how to value offices and all those kind of things. Yeah. So, so it was restructured slightly and it was organic. You never said, right, this is it. I'm going to start growing a massive national firm. It was, well, I know one or two people that would be great to work with. Anthony and Craig, that had grown up countrywide days, we'd all worked together. So Anthony came along, joined me, then Craig followed, then Aidan, then Stephen. It's just been an organic process. And to the point where over the last several years, we've never once gone on a recruitment drive push that we just thought you know what there's opportunities here to just keep organically growing we're still a regional practice we're not national um still a small fish in a big pond i look at it but you know eight nine surveyors we're four five sort of admin teams so we're a big enough business to, to actually make a difference but we're small enough to care and make that sort of personal side of the business do something different i think a business of that of that size can be quite agile when it comes to technology when it comes to different ways of working the pros and cons with everything some interesting things here one is it's really interesting that you moved into working with somebody i get contacted a lot by surveyors who want to sell their business i see a lot of surveyors advertising their business for sales and i think who wants to buy that particularly when some of them are just one man bands and they don't understand what assets they have or what they can sell on. Sometimes there's partnerships and there's no adequate paperwork or agreements or anything in place because everyone's mates and that's how it was and it got tricky. But also on the other hand, you've got, we talked about people wanting to work for themselves or an aspiration to, to own their own businesses. They go and do it the hard way. And start from scratch because right. I guess the fear of taking on someone else's PI or whatever, but the, that's one thing that can be managed, but also having that mentorship, which you obviously got from Mike, 
is absolutely invaluable. And we talked about supports. And when I think yeah. about the number of surveyors, you know, thinking of downing tools, there's loads of them. And secondly, I know they don't want to, they've just got dodgy knees. So there's definitely a model out there for understanding that, building relationships and not being threatened by it. Yeah, it's a big thing. And I can really relate to all of that. I mean, I think Mike, it's all about trust. And once Mike knew me well enough to trust me, he was very open about his vision for retirement, his vision for the business. And all he really wanted at the end of the day was someone to do their own thing with it. He, like I say, it was such a good sort of feel about it all. There was no selfishness. There was no greed. There was no, well, this is mine and you can't do that. There was none of that. It was very much very supportive. But I think if I was doing it all again now and I was looking to set up on my own, the first thing I'd be doing is going to those mics of the world and saying, you know, look, you might not be wanting to do it now, but why not I can work for you, with you, until such time that, you know, it's something that's an option. I mean, it's the next best thing, really, than going on your own. The last thing I would ever want to do, and I'm quite a sociable person, so I wouldn't want to work on my own anyway, I don't think. So I would always want people around me. But what better way to have a mentor and a support system? Again, no different than you are, just on a small basis. There are so many brilliant minds out there that have got such a good reputation. It's just them on their own, and it might be a small business, but... What a shame to see that disappear because if no one does that, it's just gone forever. Yeah, and the knowledge that you get. We could all think of characters from the past. Or, you know, that knowledge just disappears, you just know, and we need... Yeah, but it's things knowing the local areas. We think we know a local area, but, you know, Adrian, there was a guy called Adrian in my old countrywide office, we used to call him the Oracle. He knew everything. And actually, yeah. when everything was built, different things that happened in different areas, it was, and it was perhaps priceless. And having that transfer of, of knowledge, because, it, and it's not just the technical knowledge, because that will always change, you know, and that will always be readily accessible through CPD trading and various things, I guess. But it's that local knowledge and relationships and history, and that makes a real difference. So where's your business heading now? Yeah, so, yeah, I'm an ideas sort of person. I think by nature, I like to explore new challenges and have goals to work to and things like that, I guess. But in terms of business goals, I never set out to build a business that could reach a million pound turnover or anything like that. But we've done all those things. And it, it's strange when you get to a point where you think, well, I've done what I want to achieve. I've kind of achieved those sort of milestones. Where do we go now? And I'm always that where do I go now kind of person. I think where we've gone over the last year or two, where we continue to go, and what kind of excites me is, I mean, we can say often say it, but do we really mean it in terms of giving something back to the profession and trying to uh, support and nurture other people? The last two surveyors that came into my practice, both SAVA, SAVA candidates that I admire completely because these are candidates with life experience, they've changed careers, that are brilliant minds that have just took the time to say, you know what, I want a better life, I want a better job, I want something different, but I don't know how to get there and they need a mentor and they need someone to give them a chance. And so Aidan and Stephen, very much of that ilk, the last few years, they've come into the practice. We've got two new guys coming on board in the new year of all times. People look at the moment and think, why would you be recruiting at the moment? It's look, we're just back to an all market and again, mentoring and training with two new cyber recruits. So can I ask you about bringing, because they don't, they cost money when you get trainees in, yeah. into the business and that puts a lot of people people off but you I guess you you plan yeah. for that's what your business plan yeah no I mean the thing is it's I'm quite open about this is that and Maiden, and Steve and Greg and Ryan they're all two the same things these are people that have already committed their own finances they're already working this is a I'm juggling all things family life work life balance 
whilst training to be a surveyor. What they really need and what a lot of these guys and girls need is just someone to give them mentoring whilst on the go. As a firm, if you're an SME or a sole practitioner even looking to grow, you don't need to commit to creating a job role. You don't need big salary budgets and things like that. You just need to offer mentoring, training, supporting, and it just leads somewhere. So in terms of cost, yes, there are costs, but then probably not as big as people think really. And it's not as scary as people think. And I don't necessarily think that's what most solar candidates I talk to are after really. They're not coming to you saying, well, I want a job, give me a job. They're coming saying, I need experience. I want shadowing. I want mentoring. That's free. That doesn't cost anybody anything. Yeah. And there's, and it's the same with APC candidates sometimes. It's not that they're looking for a counsellor and someone to help them write all of their application. Sometimes they just want the odd day here and there and, and to build a relationship and understand more about, I guess, the life experience of what it's like, because it's, you know, it's, uh, we don't just walk into people's homes, we walk into their lives as well. And we see it and we see it warts and all. I think what we all need to do is trainees and those looking for mentors need to be better at asking what they specifically need. So saying, hi, I'm looking, I need a mentor in Birmingham. Birmingham is huge. What part of Birmingham? What kind of properties? When would you want this? Why do you want it? What's the background? A lady reached out to me the other day. She's doing her APC. She was actually looking for commercial. Her business doesn't do that. And although she's got it covered in her, her APC submission, she wanted to go out and do measured surveys. And so she reached out to me to say, do you know anybody? And I just put her in touch with a few people and hopefully she's fine. But some people get really put off of, well, they're going to take up my time. And I guess we need to think about reverse mentoring. We can learn a lot from students and trainees. Like you said, we're always learning. And I wonder if some surveyors are quite threatened by their knowledge or lack of, and that being shown, but we've got to be absolutely open to that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a, it is a difficult one to train yourself to be open-minded. I mean, I'm the first to say, uh, some of the guys teach me things every day. I mean, I don't know it all, never will profess to. You're never going to be able to. So I think having some fresh minds and support against that word against support, those mentories are there to support you. I mean, they'll very often happily collect keys, help you with comparables, saying silly, but hold tape measure and things like that. They'll happily get stuck in. And that's but also not- they'll do... Yeah, but also they do other stuff like do research, find the latest, whatever. Yeah, all the sort of desktop research, pre-apps and all that sort of stuff. If anything, really, I feel like every practice should have a new trainee that you're mentoring in it. Because if we don't, again, it's that you're only ever going to be stuck working in your business, not on it. What better way to help you work on your business to free up a bit of time? If you take one or two jobs a week where someone's doing all of that sort of periphery stuff, your research, your desktop, your key collections, all those things. That's a few hours you've spent that way to, well, why not make a few calls to local contacts and develop your business, join a B&I club, whatever it might be. There's lots of things you can do, but yeah, it's just having those people around you to support you. I, I don't understand why people would ever want to work on their own, quite frankly. I don't know. Well, if I think back, some days I just want to be grumpy and not talk to anyone. But <laughs> most, I mean, I work by myself and... That's why I do things like the podcast and the community because I'm on my own and I need that engagement. But there are some days when I just can't be asked. I just want to do my own thing. But you have to get 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 over yourself. One thing I think is needed, and we talked about giving back to the industry in, in, in lots of different ways, is I think for students, trainees, mentees, we don't really know what good looks like. What does a good placement look like? What should happen? I worry about some trainees and students being taken advantage of 
in terms of working conditions, what they're sent out to do, health and safety. And another thing that that, that came to light when I was talking to someone a, a little while ago, when we sign these contracts, your first contract as a surveyor, when, as an employee, it's going to be the biggest contract you've ever signed. And no one supports you with it. You just sign it because it's a job and you're mm-hmm. grateful for it. And no one gives you that that support to say, let's just read through this. Oh, you're tied in for five years <laughs> or whatever. Oh, you've got to work Sundays. We need to be able to support youngsters. I'd say youngsters loosely because in residential, a lot of us are mature when we, when we come in. But I think we don't always see what good looks like and that helps mentees as well. But it also helps others who might be thinking about taking somebody on. They will actually, this is what you do and this is how it works and this is how I budget for it and this is what I've got back from it in terms of the reverse mentoring side. So the more that we can share, then the better. Before we just finish off, I want to ask you about technology because I know you've got a new venture that you've been working on. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, happy to. So yes, Eventrix, it's an exciting new adventure, new challenge really for me. Again, I, I think as an industry, prop tech is a word that's used almost every day. There's lots of some, there's lots of fantastic bits of kit out there. Some really good platforms. You know, we're all familiar with them in terms of Go Reports and CoreLogic and various others. Um, all do wonderful things, but in my opinion, at least for what that's worth, none of them do it all. None of them there's not a single platform that does everything for everybody from start to finish, whether that's customer engagement at the front, whether that's report writing at the back, whether that's file directory in the middle, whether that's auditing, regulation, terms and conditions, all those kind of things. So what Cerentrix is, it's a business that myself um, and Ben are about to launch, really. So in a couple of weeks' time, it's live. And yeah, we're quite excited to see what it can do. I think the vision for me is... It's our target audiences, sole practitioners, SMEs, it's people out there that we talked about the support system before. It's genuinely there to help support businesses that might not know how to take an inquiry and turn it into a report delivery at the end and everything in between. There are so many facets of that process that are quite important from a regulation point of view, but also from a customer experience point of view. So there's a lot of time gone into the customer experience and the customer communication. And all those things. So yeah, it's a system of platform that we're designing to hopefully disrupt the market a little bit and help firms along the way and hopefully save them a bit of money because we all want to make money, of course, Steve, but it's trying to disrupt the market a little bit because at the moment there's two or three choices and you need two or three systems. So why can't we have one and be more cost effective and do a bit of good along the way? So yeah, quite a nice thing. Yeah, I think that's a great idea and really interested to see how it all pans out. Because it is confusing with lots of different systems and processes and then people to pull it together. I remember years and years, many years ago, there was a tender that we had for a new complaints system. And uh, we had these sort of pitches that people came. And I remember these two old guys, my name Bert and Ernie, just like old guys waddled on, talked about all their IT stuff. And, you know, there were others that just threw them out the water. But I always remember this guy saying, Marion, sometimes we just need a bit of project glue. So all we need some glue to put it together. And I've hung on to that for years, because obviously things didn't quite go to plan. We just need some glue that sort of pulls things together. And sometimes that's a person, an office manager or whatever, but sometimes it can be technology. But we need to keep things really simple so that it can be, can be manageable. And I like the idea that if regulation come in, you've got everything that you need, at least in, as much as in, in one place. But every single business I've ever come across is different, mm-hmm. different in the way they approach things, want to do things. We're all stuck in our ways of 
things that we like, the rhythm and routine that gives us comfort. And when I've seen firms um, or, you know, individual surveyors want to move over to different technology, they don't have their documents probed, their processes documented. They don't understand how everything happens so that it can be translated then over a new system or they realize that it's all in their head. Well, it makes it twice as hard then to make any system to work. So that time to understand how things work, even if you work by yourself, it will make any transition over much, much easier because you're moving the same over, but you're also then making improvements at the same time. So it's quite a big, a big thing to go through, but really exciting times then. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, if I get one thing out of it, it will be, it's a new challenge for me. I mean, I, I feel like I've done everything I wanted to do in the surveying sense and I love still doing my job. I still love nothing more than going out and surveying buildings and, you know, the carpenters is in a place now where the guys and girls that help me run that business, it doesn't need me in a way. It has me and it will always have me, but it doesn't need me, which is an amazing place to be. So it's a nice time for me to think, well, let's do something a bit different. This has come along and I think there's a genuine sort of gap in the market to do this. There's a big need for this. I think as an industry, the regulation, the customer experience, but let's not forget the guys and girls on the ground. Let's try and make the surveyors lives easier. If, if I take a sole practitioner, that hopefully they'll love Surveyntrix because it can, it's just do everything in one place. When we have lots of different bits of paper or different systems and spend the time on what matters and that, if I can get one thing at the back of it, it will be for a user to look at it and say. Do you know what? That allowed me to spend 10, 15 minutes more with my client because I hadn't got to do this, that, and the other. It was just click a button and it's done. So yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, we'll see. But It is, but I think we've also got to be careful. Click a button and it's done. Because to get to that point of click a button, Absolutely. you've got to... It's not there to replace it... the human being or any of that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where people see tech solutions as, well, it's going to fix everything. Nope. It's actually, no, it's going to help you run your business better with confidence yeah. so that you can click the that's button. It. That's it. I mean, the sales pitch for me is that, look, this is a system that's been designed by surveyors and a surveyor that's been there, done that, got the t-shirts. Hopefully we know what the important trigger points are in a business, the structural bits, the regulation, the compliance, the auditing, the important bits. But we use equally, better than anybody, how important customer service is. There are so many facets to a system. And this is why I don't think it's ever been perfected because it's not easy. I think if it was easy, everybody would have done it by now. But there's brilliant report writing tools out there, but that's all they do. There's some brilliant... Yeah directory systems it's all they do some brilliant crm tools all they do well why not have something that pulls all that together and absolutely it allows us to just spend so much more time with the client it's not about saying well i'll click this and it's done it's about well i can click and i can talk to you and answer your questions better well. i can run through the report with you i can that reduces risk ultimately but exactly. also it means that you can do more of the stuff that you love in your business Exactly. Get rid of that nobody enjoys doing, but have to do because it's important. Things like terms and conditions and things like audits and job allocations and job flows and diary management and all of those report delivery things that it's, yeah, I don't know anyone that enjoys it really. I think they enjoy the customer engagement. They enjoy looking at the building, spend more time looking at the building, less time worrying about what you're doing on paper and stuff. So yeah, it's not a one size fits all. I think it's flexible. So I'd I'm interested to sort of get going with it. There's no better sort of feedback than the people that see it. So we'll soon talk about it. But yeah, exciting but scary times ahead, really. Good stuff, Ian. It's been lovely to talk to you today. I think people will get a lot from you sharing your... The word that comes to mind actually is legacy, you know, which sounds a bit heavy. But 
It is. And I think sharing, that's why I love these podcasts, sharing what you've learned. And people will be listening to this and think, yeah, actually, that's really helpful and that will make a difference. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. As ever, if you find these podcasts helpful, or dare I say it, entertaining, do leave us a review on Google or Apple iTunes, because every time you do, you'll also be helping to make a difference in the world. Love Surveying is a global partner with B1G1, and you can find out more information on our impact page on the Love Surveying website. Don't forget, you can watch our free community webinars and find out more about becoming a Surveyor Hub supporter by visiting lovesurveying.com forward slash the Surveyor Hub. See you next time.